The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. Let me take a moment to extend a very special welcome to our men and women in uniform who are joining us over the Internet, as well as new listeners who are joining us from the warm shores of Hawaii all the way to the snow-covered coasts of Maine. In just a moment, the creator of the comic strip Dilbert, Mr. Scott Adams, will be joining us to talk about why he believes narcissism is an underrated asset when it comes to success in business and in life, as well as his claim that Donald Trump won the presidential election owing to his abilities as a master persuader. Scott Adams is going to break that and more down for us this hour. So hang on to your hats because we're going to hear a perspective like none other. But before Mr. Adams joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Scott Raymond Adams was born in Wyndham, New York, and as a child was a big fan of Mad Magazine and the Peanuts comic strip. He earned his undergraduate degree from Hartwick College and his MBA from the University of California at Berkeley. Adams worked for Crocker National Bank as a teller, management trainee, computer programmer, budget analyst, commercial lender, and supervisor. He took his inspiration for the Dilbert comic strip largely from his experiences at Crocker and also later his work at Pacific Bell, often drawing his cartoons in the wee hours of the morning before heading into work. Though the New Yorker, Playboy, and others turned Dilbert down, (laughs) Adams never lost faith. And boy, did that faith pay off in a big way. By 1991, Dilbert was appearing in 100 newspapers around the country, which quickly grew to 400 by 1994, and then 800 publications, paving the way for Adams to quit corporate America and become a full-time cartoonist. Today, Dilbert can be found in over 2,000 newspapers in 57 countries and 19 languages. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, creator of the Dilbert comic strip and self-declared master persuader, Mr. Scott Adams. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Adams. Thank you for having me. That was quite an introduction. I feel good about myself now. <laughs> well, well, according to uh, some recent interviews you've had, you, I think you felt good good about yourself before that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I am always looking for new algorithms for success. So when I came upon your idea that, quote, an exaggerated sense of self-importance is a great asset, I have to admit I was floored. Everything we're taught says narcissism is an impediment to getting ahead. So help us understand why that's wrong-headed. Well, first of all, uh, narcissism and self-confidence and just being confident in general, those things all are a little bit conflated. And if it's somebody we don't like, we call them a narcissist. And if it's somebody we like, we say, well, that person is pretty confident. Um, So first of all, you have to understand that there's a little subjectivity in there. But the second thing is, that the science is pretty clear that people who uh, you know believe that they're doing a good job and have good feelings about themselves, it stimulates the the chemistry in your brain and your body that's healthy. So it's just flat out healthy to have a good uh, view of yourself. But beyond that, it stretches the uh, the types of things you're willing to try. So it it uh, allows you to try things that are outside of your comfort zone and outside of what even other people think you might succeed at. I'll give you an example. When I first decided to become a cartoonist, I had no experience. I'd never taken an art class of any consequence. Um, 
And when I told all my friends, I'm pretty sure they thought I was just being a narcissist who thought he could <laughs> uh, en- enter a new field with no experience and somehow succeed. Uh, likewise, when I started blogging about uh, Donald Trump and his persuasion, it became hugely popular eventually. But when I first started, pretty much everybody had the same opinion, which is, you know, who do you think you are? Uh, you know, leaving your normal field and trying to compete in this field where you're not experienced. But here again, my my uh, narcissism and or confidence served me well. But you do need some rudimentary skill or talent or even an aptitude for persistence to succeed, don't you? I mean, after all, there's a lot of musicians, artists, and business owners with healthy egos and far more fail than succeed. Yeah, it's not enough by itself. Um, I I talk about something that I call the talent stack. And that's the combination of talents which you acquire over your life and how well they fit together. So I have uh, been quite methodical in adding together skills that would work well, and I continue to do that. So while I'm not the greatest artist anybody's ever seen, I can draw pretty well at this point, you know, at least sufficiently. I'm not the best writer, but I can write well enough. And I'm not even the funniest person you might know, but I'm funny enough. So when you put those three together... It allows me to be a you know world famous cartoonist, and you you see that with other musicians and and even models and and people that you think only have one skill, but if you dig in, you find out they they have a bunch of skills that support what you see. So, if you don't mind my asking, at what age did you begin to feel confident and important? Did this start early, or did you come into this a little later in life once Dilbert became successful? Oh, uh, this is this is the sort of question that would be embarrassing if I weren't me. Uh, but, <laughs> okay, but I, give it a shot. <laughs> but but I've uh, spent much of my life trying to erase any sense of shame from anything I do, so uh, I don't think it's a risk in this case. The truth is that I've always felt from the youngest age that I would be both rich and famous and likely a famous cartoonist. So there hasn't been you know, much of my life that I didn't think this was going to happen. So a little bit I was born with, but then there's a part that I cultivate. So you can certainly uh, set your mind to positive thoughts. You can you can direct your mind toward the future and your goals and your ambitions. And I try to do that as much as possible. Did your sense of self change once you could safely leave a nine to five job? I thought that was going to be a bigger deal than it was, but I had been doing cartooning for a number of years by the time I left my day job. So by the time I left, I'd, I'd uh, lost all interest in it, so it was a, sort of a, a non-event. Uh, I can't say that my self-image changed by that, and I would go so far as to say that I have not succeeded at any level anywhere near what I think I might be able to succeed in the future. So my self-image is, eh, I'm about halfway there. Um, but for a but while, I'm, you were doing both. So you couldn't have been that confident because you kept your day job and then you were cartooning at 4 a.m., right? Well, there's a difference between confidence and just plain old diversification and business strategy and you know, not, not doing something rashly. So uh, I was confident in my ability to make something work but I didn't know if it would specifically be the Dilbert cartoon. So, yeah, I I hedged my uh, bets for a while. But it was also really easy to work my day job when I was getting material for the comic. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So it turns out that those two things work really well together. That's right. Your day job was essentially research. Well, it was, uh, yeah, research for the comic, yes. (laughs) For the comic that you were doing in the evening. So it's wonderful how you can pull those two things together. And I think frequently we don't see how things join together. Like you were talking about uh, drawing, writing, and also, uh, um, you know, these these different talents that you aligned uh, and, and made work for you, even though you weren't an expert at any of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's important to pick the right ones, but once you've picked the right talents to stack together, you don't have to be the world expert in any one of those things. So that's really what uh, makes it accessible to everybody. So the, the example I like to give is if you're already good at your job, whatever your job is, and you add, for example, the ability to be a good public speaker, you're automatically going to be the one they think of when it's time for a promotion because that's a good boss quality to have. 
So it's pretty easy to figure out what's, what talents to stack together, and you just don't need to be the best in the world at any of them. I, I guess if you look at successful people, it would be easy to start to make a list of those things that have helped them to succeed and then uh, make it a point to adopt those characteristics. And we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Scott Adams. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Joan London. If you're worried about your parent or loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call a place for mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. Finding an apartment that was on the courtyard with the view of the trees, the view of the ducks, the stream, the creek, all of that, that was what I needed. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. Here's the number. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. A place for mom is a free service and you can trust them to help you. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. Are you feeling a little weaker and less like yourself as you age? Studies show you can lose up to 24% of your muscle from age 40 to 70. This is often a natural process of muscle loss that begins after age 40 and can accelerate if you're suffering from illness or injury, making it harder to stay independent and do the things you love. Ensure, the number one doctor-recommended brand has a nutritional shake for you. Only Ensure and Live has HMB plus 20 grams of protein that work together to help rebuild muscle. HMB is a compound found in small amounts in your body and in certain foods. It can stop muscle loss, but it's difficult to get an enough HMB in your diet. Just two servings of Insurin Live Daily provides a recommended level of HMB and 40 grams of protein. What does this all mean? Insurin Live can give you strength and energy to help you get back to doing what you love. Insure. Always be you. Visit insuremuscle.com for savings on Insurin Live. Attention men, if you have tried or wanted to try Viagra or Cialis, or if you've ordered an over-the-counter product in the last few years, Noxitril is an option that is completely private, has received tremendous reviews, and can be at your door in just days. Pharmaceutical companies dislike us because we present a real option to their higher prices and insurance limitations. After years of research, Noxitril has been developed and formulated in U.S. FDA labs packed with the highest quality potent ingredients. Noxitril is a true breakthrough in male potency. This remarkable all-natural pill is being called Viagra on steroids and is known as a sure winner. So what are you waiting for? Call now and ask how to get your free supply. Call now and find out how to get a free bottle of Noxitril while supplies last. Call 1-800-480-5681. That's 800-480-5681. Free bottles for a limited time, so call now. 800-480-5681. 800-480-5681. Hello, Dave Michaels here, SEMD with Longevity. Now, I know you probably have a lot of questions about Longevity. I'm going to give you a number that I want you to call. That number is 831-218-5726. That's 831-218-5726. I want you to call that number, leave a message, and we'll get back to you with the answer. Whether it's about the Healthy Start Pack, Beyond Tangy Tangerine, becoming a CEO, or finding a distributor in your area. 831-218-5726. That's 831-218-5726. Feel free to leave a text as well. 831-218-5726. If you have any questions about longevity, give that number a call. Leave a brief message, and we will get back to you with the answer. If you want to place an order, call that number. If you want to become a distributor, call that number. If you want to become a CEO, call that number, 831-218-5726. Dave Michaels, SEMD, with Longevity. Thank you.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is the creator of the Dilbert comic strip and prolific blogger, by the way, Scott Adams. And before the break, we were talking about the difference between confidence and narcissism. Now, in a recent article, you counter the diagnosis called narcissistic personality disorder with what you call narcissistic accuser syndrome. <laughs> so what are I, I, I got I have to tell you, I, I got a real kick out of it. So what are some of the symptoms accusers should look for? Well, the accusers are the people who are calling other people narcissists when those other people might simply be uh, trying to do things that are harder than maybe somebody thinks they could do. They might be a little more ambitious than somebody thinks they could do. They might be showing a little too much self-confidence. But all of those things are actually kind of healthy and practical. And uh, from a management's perspective, you want a little bit of self-confidence that's higher than uh, you know what is warranted, perhaps. So those things tend to be um, highly correlated with success, and for good reasons. And the people who don't like that, people who see people being successful and feeling good about it, uh, get real uncomfortable with that. And so they have a word to insult those people. It's called narcissist. Yes, and and you and we even have a disorder named after it now. And uh, now you've countered that with a different disorder for the accusers. One of the things you say is that uh, one of the symptoms of narcissistic accuser syndrome is the dislike of confident, successful people and hallucinating that you have the diagnostic skills of a trained psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, there's... Yeah, I think uh, I think people are, ironically, a little overconfident in their ability to read into somebody's inner thoughts and, and find out how much of uh, what they're observing is a warranted level of, you know, credible optimism and confidence versus something that's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. I, and I think the, people see the crazy a lot more than I think is warranted. And you you also point out that there's a uh, these accusers have a deep desire to rationalize one's own lack of success by imagining the only way that other people attain it is with the help of some sort of personality disorder. Well, we look at the entire world in terms of how it relates to us. You know, every, everything we see is how does that affect me? How is that compared to me? Is that better than me? Is that worse than me? So it's, it's quite normal that when people see people succeeding, they're going to say, well, he, he started on third base and thinks he hit a home run. And, you know, there, there's a lot of sayings that we have for mocking the people who have been more successful. Now, in some cases, they didn't earn it. They just won the lottery in some sense. But uh, even the people who worked hard and earned their money the hard way, somebody's calling it almost all of them narcissists. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Just, it's almost automatic. Now, in addition to a sense of self-importance, you also claim that you and Donald Trump are master persuaders. So tell us what a master persuader is and how that played a role in cementing Trump's success. Well, I usually just say Trump is a master persuader, and I'm someone who's trained in it. Um, I learned uh, hypnosis in my tw 20s. I'm actually a trained and certified hypnotist, and I've been studying persuasion for decades as part of my writing and part of the work that I do. And so I saw in Donald Trump a level of talent for persuasion that I'd just never seen before. And I saw it fairly quickly. So I was early, uh, early in predicting that he would win more than a year before he did, uh, back when it was very unpopular to say that. Um, I think it was and, early 2015, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, yeah. August 2015 is when mm -hmm. I first called it. And he's got a number of talents that I recognize in myself, and they're the types of talents that can sway people's emotions and therefore their opinions. And in the case of Trump, he had more than a year to move probably just 5% of the public is all you need to win an election. Because typically if you win the nomination, the, the final vote's going to be kind of close just because it always is. So if you can move 5% from the other column to your column, you get a big win, which is about what he did. So a year ahead, I saw, I saw how much talent he had per, for persuasion. I saw how much time he had and how big the, 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 the population was that he was trying to move. And I thought, yeah, he could get 5% of those easy. 
So that that was the basis for my prediction. But even with all that persuasion, he had so many missteps. It was like he'd persuade you and then he'd unpersuade you. Yeah, he he probably had the ability to survive more missteps than anybody ever. Yes, um, <laughs> I agree. At, at, at some point, he has he had so many arrows in him that when another one hit him, you couldn't tell because he already looked like a porcupine. You know, the, the, and it wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, and none of them seemed to uh, stick. You know, and after the first few wear off, you also get that impression of being Teflon. It was the the Ronald Reagan uh, persuasion. You know, once people thought he was Teflon, then they imagined that everything would s- slide off. So you, you only need a few things to uh, slide off that you survive, and then people say, yeah, I guess the next thing isn't going to bother him either. Now, you broke down Trump's success into six main points recently. I hope political strategists are paying attention uh, to this interview because I, I thought that there was a lot of truth in what you had to say. The first two were that Trump knows that people are basically irrational, and so he appealed to that irrational population on an emotional level. Do I have that right? Yeah, and the hypnotist and the persuader's point of view is somewhat opposite of the normal point of view. The normal point of view is that people are rational most of the time, let's say 90% of the time, but every once in a while we get a little crazy. The hypnotist and the master persuader's point of view is exactly the opposite. We see the world as people being irrational 90% of the time, and then once in a while when there's no emotion involved, we're just, say, balancing our checkbook or deciding where's the store with the best price, uh, those times we can be rational. And we can be a little bit rational in narrowing down our choices. But when it gets to the final choices, those are almost always uh, irrational choices, yes. So persuaders appeal to emotion. They know that emotion is the primary decision-making variable. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes. And then you go on to point out something very interesting to me, that when it comes to emotions, facts don't matter. Yeah. When I say facts don't matter, people uh, push back immediately because they say, well, if I walk in front of a truck and it hits me, that certainly matters. And I agree. So facts do matter to the outcomes. So so what's actually going to happen? Facts, of course, matter. But for the decision-making process, we don't use facts. So maybe we should which is another conversation. But the hypnotist and the persuader just observes that we don't. And then lastly, you point out that if the facts don't matter, then reality is easier to bend. Yeah, so it's easier for a persuader to describe a version of reality that that you can uh, live in in your head at least uh, because the facts aren't preventing that from happening. Yes, very very important, and, and then it leads to the next conclusion, which is identity politics becomes more powerful. Everybody starts from a position of, you know, who am I, and I don't want to change that. Mm-hmm. So most, most of your opinions start with, uh, what team am I on, and what does my team think about that? I guess I need to agree. There you go. Now we have to take another scheduled break, but stay tuned. We'll return right after these important messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. 
Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. You don't hear a lot about it, but it's one of the most ubiquitous of all the vitamins. It's called pantothenic acid, also known as vitamin B5. B5's main role is to help the body process and utilize fats. But when it's topically applied, it can have some interesting and helpful cosmetic effects, too. Pantothenic acid used directly on the skin has anti-inflammatory and anti-irritant properties. It can prevent the formation of scars and speed the healing of broken and wounded skin. It's also been effectively used to treat burns and surgical wounds. In 1947, Panthenol, a derivative, made its debut as a hair health ingredient when the drug company Hoffman LaRoche started selling a shampoo featuring the nutrient. They called it Pantene, and it became so successful and iconic it remains available to this day and is still one of the best-selling hair care products in the world. If you want to take advantage of the power of Panthenol for preventing hair breakage and improving its shine and radiance, or if you want to use the vitamin to improve skin health, you don't need to spend a lot of money on fancy products. It's easy to go the do-it-yourself route as pure Panthenol powder is readily available on the Internet. You can dissolve one or two teaspoonfuls to a cup of water, store it in the fridge for an easy, inexpensive nutritional hair mist, or add as desired to your favorite shampoos, conditioners, or moisturizers, making your own homemade, panthenol-rich beauty products. Pharmacist Ben here, urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi, um, I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh-huh, okay. Well, we were building a bonfire, and I, I saw some, like, dry brush and leaves around, so, you know, I, I said to move the bonfire somewhere else, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear shows up and hugs me. So you noticed some wildfire hazards and moved your bonfire to a safer location. Yeah. Yeah, that's Smokey, all right. He likes it when people help prevent wildfires. It hits him close to home. Not everybody gets the hug, my friend. So that's pretty special to get a hug from Smokey Bear. Ha, <laughs> so it was him. Hey, guys, I told you it was Smokey. Okay, well, congratulations, my friend. And thanks for calling. There are many ways to prevent a wildfire. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service, Ad Council, and your state forester. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is the creator of the Dilbert comic strip, Mr. Scott Adams. And we've been talking about Trump's talents as a master persuader who appealed successfully to human emotion where facts matter less and reality can be manipulated. Uh, Mr. Adams, I'm sorry we had to go to a hard break. Do you want to add anything else to our discussion about Trump's success? Well, I think if you look at his talent stack, he's got a uh, an impressive one that I think people missed. Because if you look at any one of his individual talents, you'd say, well, that's not the best one that we've seen. Take, for example, his uh, public speaking ability. It's very good, but it's not the best in the world. His uh, intelligence, very smart, not the smartest guy in the world. Uh, knows about politics, but not the most in the world. Knows business, might not be the best business person in the world. Great negotiator, maybe not the best. But if you just keep going down the line, and he tends to be really, really good at a whole bunch of things that all turned out to be relevant. So diversity matters. Well, it's more about combining and engineering your talent stack so you have the right combination. Uh, The more you have, the better. So diversity in that sense, yes. But it's about how you intelligently combine them. Because if he had been also, let's say, really good at macrame, or uh, calligraphy, it wouldn't have helped him at all. Maybe he is. <laughs> Maybe he is. <laughs> I've never asked him, <laughs> but it's a it's a good point. <laughs> now, uh, I have to ask you, you're not hypnotizing me today, are you? You would not know. Yes, I would not know. <laughs> but if I start clucking like a chicken, my audience will know. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, as you may know, I, I am an evolutionary biologist by training. I am a reluctant uh, radio host. And uh, now listening to you, maybe I'm combining some uh, series of talents that I'm unaware of. I'm going to go back and take an inventory after this this interview. Um, but the fact is, is that there are many examples of benevolence and self-sacrifice for the survival of the troop in nature and also amongst humans. How, how do you account for that? Well, I've often said that the perfect life is one where you're born completely selfish as a baby because you can't do anything for yourself. Uh, sometime in the middle of your life, you're probably doing more for your family and for your kids than you are for yourself. Um, and then about the time you die, in, as you take your last breath, you've probably dispensed all your love and wisdom that you had during your life. And at that moment, you give away your estate, too. You give away everything. So you die completely selflessly, uh, although you're born completely selfish. And I think that that's a normal arc unless there's something that interferes with it. So in my case, I got I took care of myself early in my life, so I'm far more uh, focused on what I can do for the rest of the world uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, but I think that individuals, in any individual case, may be uh, having to take care of themselves first because they're not really any good to anybody else uh, until they take care of themselves. And once they do, I think there's a just a natural inclination to help the your family, then your tribe, then your, you know, maybe your state, your country, the world, in that order. So we go from very selfish to unselfish to very selfish. Uh, only to the degree that we can take care of our needs. So if we never take care of our own needs, we'll probably be selfish our whole life. But how about those that are constantly worried about other people's needs? I certainly have seen that in children. You know, there are the children who run around the playground and are worried about other kids having friends falling down things like that it, it it seems to reveal itself at a very young age sometimes yeah it does um certainly there's a big range not everybody's the same and, and some people just feel more empathy so if you happen to be one of those people whose uh, sensors are kind of sensitive for empathy you're gonna just naturally care more mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, at Richard Dawkins, I, I did a little bit of work with Richard Dawkins before my first book came out. And according to Dawkins, even when we appear to be acting benevolently, we're really acting to preserve a smaller, even a minuscule subset of our genetic material found in others. Uh, what do you think about that theory? Mm, you know, there are a lot of fear theories that can fit the facts. And, <laughs> and that's one of them. Uh, one of the things I talk about is how easy it is to, you know, fit any any hypothesis to any set of facts. It seems like it's <laughs> it's too easy sometimes. So, yes, I can see that uh, humans are looking to um, to care for other humans before they're looking to care for other kinds of animals. So, yeah, I think there's something baked in genetically there. So, I would agree. Um, you know, that the intellectual interpretation of that may be more than you need. I think just humans take care of humans first. It's just an instinct. If you're benevolent before you can take care of yourself, are you just a patsy? Well, I would say that perhaps <laughs> you don't have your priorities straight because if you take care of other people and don't care, take care of yourself, sooner or later other people got to take care of you. And and you're not really doing anybody any favors if that happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about uh, your career and uh, how narcissism has helped you. You say that you didn't see any exceptional talent in drawing, not exceptional in writing, but it was the combination of leveraging all of those together, all the pieces together that enabled you to have a successful career. What, what now are you building toward? Because now you've become a very prolific and popular blogger. So now, in, in, and you're working on public speaking, you're, you're a media star, you're on a lot of different television and radio programs. So what are, you, what are you gearing up for? So I've got several things going on right now. I've uh, just launched a startup that uh, I'm a co-founder of. It's called WenHub, and it allows people to tell stories with time. So if you have any kind of a time-related uh, story you want to tell, which is pretty much all stories, it's a good way to uh, present it and visualize it and share it. Um, that's a longer story. Um, I'm also building out a podcast studio in my house, so I can do more of that. 
And I'm writing a book about persuasion and using the Trump experience as my backdrop for explaining some of that stuff. Well, that I cannot wait to get my hands on that. Did you just make me say that? (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to wait till October. I will have to wait till October. I can't wait. (laughs) So before we run out of time, where can listeners go today to read your blog and get information about this upcoming book and your other views? Go to Dilbert.com, and you'll see a button from my blog, and from there you can find um, mentions of my startup fairly frequently. Uh, And it's in the App Store, too. There's an app as well as a cloud version. Well, it is a terrific blog, very entertaining, extremely informative. You have a point of view like none other. And I said that at the beginning of the show, and I really meant it. And uh, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. And, of course, I could keep you for another hour, but we are almost out of time. So let me thank you for creating one of our favorite comic strips here at the radio station. I think we would actually provide a lot of material for you here at the radio station. But uh, let, let me thank you for making time to join us today. Thank you, Mr. Adams. Thank you so much for having me. Now, normally this is about the time we take a short intermission. But before we do, let me ask you an important question. Are you hiring? And if you are, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? These days, posting your job in one place just isn't going to cut it. It isn't enough to find quality candidates. So if you want to find the perfect hire, here's a simple way you can post your job openings all at the top job sites just just by doing it one time. You can be on all top job sites just doing it once. ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter.com, you post your job description just one time to reach more than 200 of the top job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, and you can do it all with a single click. It is so easy. Believe me, it's easy. I'm not going to tell you to do something that that requires you to go back to school to learn it. ZipRecruiter gives you access to candidates in any city, any industry, anywhere. doesn't matter if you're searching for a sous chef, administrative assistant, engineer, nurse, a rocket scientist. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And right now, listeners of the Costa Report can post any job on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash report. ZipRecruiter.com slash report. One more time to get to do it free. ZipRecruiter.com slash report. And I'll be right back to tell you what I think about narcissism. You're listening to the Costa Report. I owed the IRS $10,000. The IRS garnished my wages. They put a lien on my house. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency in the world. They do not give up until you pay. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions Now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions Now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions Now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. Tax Solutions Now can get you help. Our agents know the rules can stop the pain and get you the best deal we connect you with a team of former irs agents and tax professionals who will get the irs off your back we saved our home and overcame the most powerful collection agency in the world call tax solutions now time is running out call 800-987-0577 I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, recent winners of the best sparkling wine in the U.S. in the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. Congratulations, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So what is it about your Brut Cuvée that beat all the other competitors around the world? We really focus on creating an expression of the Santa Lucia Highlands and doing it the right way. And when you control the process from the beginning to the end and you have talent like Michelle and top-tier grapes, they really shine through. This was a worldwide competition. It was definitely a humbling experience. We were in a room with producers that have been making wine for over 100, 200 years and was a huge honor to have Tom Stevenson give us the best U.S. Sparkling Wine Award. We fared really well overall. We had three wines win best of class, which was great. 
Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone, 831-622-7722. The original Stagnero family has been in business since 1879. The Stagnero name stands for quality, quantity, and great service. The family's Gilda's Restaurant on the Santa Cruz Municipal Wharf is still the fishing headquarters of the Santa Cruz area. It's where fishermen gather each morning for coffee and breakfast before heading out on the bay. Stop by Gilda's and say hi. Dino looks forward to meeting you at Gilda's on the center of the Santa Cruz Municipal Wharf. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Okay, 25,000 cheering extras. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Doesn't television stretch the imagination? Up to 21 inches, yes. It's always open house at the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, and you are always invited to walk right in and join the discussion. Hello, I am Mike Young, and I love talking real estate with all the experts and with you. So get a jump on the Real Estate Weekend every Friday, 7 p.m. on the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, right here on Listen and Be Heard Radio KSCO. The Mike Young Real Estate Hour is brought to you by Thunderbird Real Estate, Real People Selling Real Estate, by Rick Williams at American Pacific Mortgage, and by Steve Manville at Farmers Insurance. Friday at 7. See you then. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, we've been speaking with the creator of the Dilbert comic strip, Scott Adams, who certainly leveraged his experiences working for Crocker National Bank and Pacific Bell to capture the angst of the modern-day workplace. Adams' comic strip now appears in over 2,000 newspapers around the world in 57 countries and 19 languages, which, of course, means that the plight of the office worker is similar enough in most countries for Dilbert's humor to come through. For a cartoonist whose humor depends on empathizing with the plight of the underdog, it's, it was quite surprising to learn that Scott Adams is striving to be a narcissist. <laughs> According to Adams, an exaggerated sense of self is a great asset because it compels us to succeed. Adams Evans goes so far as to suggest that the roots of narcissism may come out of evolution, a drum that Richard Dawkins has been beating for the past few decades, ever since his publication of the book, The Selfish Gene. Now, if you're a regular listener of this program or you're familiar with my work outside of the radio, then then you know that I am an evolutionary biologist by training. I am what some might call a reluctant media personality. A nationally syndicated news program isn't anything I aspired to, and perhaps that's what makes this program stand out from the rest. For the record, I'm much more interested in facts than dogma or salesmanship or persuasion. I I have zero interest in persuasion. I don't want to convince people of anything, nor do I wish to be convinced. I just want to be better informed. And the way I do that is to keep my ears open and listen to all perspectives And try to consider all possibilities until, of course, the data I have in my possession rises to the level of fact. With that in mind, let's talk about what we know about narcissism in nature. Because that's my wheelhouse. The theory that claims that even when we appear to be sacrificing and acting benevolently, we're really acting in our own self-interest was first advanced by William Hamilton in 1964. It's called kin selection. K-I-N, kin selection, and for a period of time it was broadly accepted by the scientific community. 
Kin Selection claims that we are not only programmed by nature to selfishly protect and perpetuate our own genetic material, but also to protect distant relatives, very distant relatives, who may possess a minuscule subset of our genes. And in that way, if we don't make it, some of our genes will still continue. But like all theories, if too many inconsistencies appear and the theory gets porous, then you have to significantly alter or discard it. For example, social insects such as ants and bees have been observed to regularly commit altruistic suicide against intruders. Jane Goodall observed benevolence amongst chimpanzee troops. In addition to sharing food after cooperative hunts, orphaned infants were immediately adopted by brothers and sisters of the deceased with no fanfare. And robins and thrushes warn others when a predator approaches by emitting a reedy-sounding whistle when the selfish thing to do, the thing which would ensure their own survival, would be to remain silent, quiet. And even among vampire bats, one of the last species we would suspect to be benevolent A form of reciprocal altruism regularly takes place. Author Robert Wright observed that blood is highly perishable, and since bats don't have refrigerators, scarcity faces individual bats quite often. But bats that return to the roost empty-handed are often favored with regurgitated blood from other bats, and those bats also tend to return the favor later down the road. It turns out there are examples of unselfish behavior everywhere in nature. Because of this, in 2011, Edward Wilson observed that there was no evidence that acts of altruism were any more common amongst animals that shared common DNA than there were among creatures that shared no DNA, which is not what you would expect if Hamilton's kin selection theory were true. Wilson got together with math wizard Martin Nowak to prove once and for all that altruism has no basis in selfishness, but rather was a survival strategy in and of itself. And lo and behold, they were able to prove that cooperation and teamwork allowed some groups of animals to outcompete their narcissistic and selfish counterparts. And that, my friends, is why the argument that narcissism is mandated by nature is not accurate. Science has disproved it. So before we go claiming narcissism is necessary for survival or success, we better bone up on our science. Now on that note, a few weeks ago, I told you about a free offer from Blue Apron. And after I did that, I heard from thousands of listeners that the URL I gave for the free offer was not working. So I went online, I checked it out, and you were right. So I am happy to report the glitch has been fixed. And Blue Apron is now standing by to take your order for three free meals at blueapron.com slash Costa, C-O-S-T-A. Give that address another try. It's blueapron.com slash Costa. Be sure you get the slash Costa in there to get your free meals. Now, for anyone who doesn't know who Blue Apron is, well, it's the easiest way to become a chef overnight and add to your skill set that we've been talking about. All you do is go online and choose from a variety of mouth-watering meals, and Blue Apron ships all the fresh ingredients you need to make that meal, along with an easy step-by-step instruction right to your front door. And here's the catch. They do it all for less than $10 a person. And here's a really big tip. And you got remember you got it from me. When you go to Blue Apron, when you go to their site, check out my favorites. Here are my favorites. Yesterday I whipped up spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes. Delicious. And you don't want to miss out on their pork chops and garlic piccata. It, it, you, you've got to try it. Those I can, I can recommend without even thinking. The fact is I'm such a foodie and a fan of Blue Apron that Blue Apron is offering listeners of the Costa Report three meals free. 
That even includes free shipping. You're not going to pay for shipping on those three meals. That's right. Three fantastic fresh meals at no cost to you when you place your order at Blue Apron. Now, to get these free meals, just visit blueapron.com slash Costa, C-O-S-T-A, my last name. One more time, that's blueapron.com slash Costa. Then do me a big favor. Take a picture of the meal that you made and send it to me because I want to see how close to the picture it is. I, I got to tell you, mine didn't come out looking like the pictures. And, and everyone here at the station made a little fun about that. But it, they were so good, I didn't care. I didn't care. So let, let me see if yours come out a little bit better. I want to see how your meals turned out. So take a quick picture and send them to me at RebeccaCosta.com. That's my, our, my website, myname.com. Okay, all this food <laughs> is making me very hungry right now. I keep thinking about those Korean rice cakes. They're delicious. They're delicious, but... Uh, but I, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not on Instagram, so I'm really glad I didn't post those pictures. <laughs> My guest next week is going to be former governor and chairman of the Democratic Party, Mr. Howard Dean. He'll be in the house. He's going to be here to discuss the benefits of moving forward on a ranked voting system. I don't think many people know about this, and I know that on the heels of the 2016 election. You want to know if there is a better, less controversial way for Americans to vote in future elections. Well, I've been investigating that. And you know that I've been a big fan of none of the above. I feel like we should not be forced. If if the choices that we have, we're not really in favor of. Uh, I am in favor of having a none of the above. And if a candidate can't beat none of the above, I don't think they should be elected to any office, by the way. City council. Uh, governor, uh, the leg- the state legislature, or and certainly not a federal office. So one of the things that I've been looking for is I've been looking for alternative models that we might use in elections. And I will tell you, I found one in Mr. Howard Dean's ranked voting system. So don't miss Howard Dean next week, right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.